Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Milius, and I'm so glad that you're here and can't wait to introduce to you Meg Dendler. Meg has been writing since the early 1990s and has over 100 articles published. She's won multiple awards for her Cats in the Mirror series about alien rescue cats based on her own household of kooky felines. Her fairy tale book, Bianca, The Brave, Frail, and Delicate Princess, won Best Juvenile Book of 2018 from the Oklahoma Writers Federation. Meg's newest science fiction novel, The Tigran Chronicles, delves into how humans treat animals and tiger conservation. Meg also freelances as an editor and proofreader. Let's dive into the pond and meet Meg. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Meg Dendler. Meg, thank you so much for being on this show. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I am so excited because not only have you written multiple genres, but you've also written about kitties and that's yes. just a love. So, <laughs> but I would love for you to start actually with how did you get into writing to begin with? You know, I have been, I, I think a lot of us are just born writing. Um, I had a picture book, win a contest in fifth grade. I always say win a contest. I got a, I have a thing that I won. I don't know if I was like first place or whatever, but to me, I won. Um, and I made up little stories to go with it throughout the year, you know, so this has always been a thing. And it was actually became Bianca, the Brave, Frail and Delicate Princess. I kept trying to sell it as a picture book and it didn't work because it wasn't a picture book anymore. Um, it's very different now than it was, you know, in the 70s <laughs> when I wrote it. <laughs> but the idea stayed with me. Um, and so cool. I, you know, was publishing articles all through the 90s. I used to do interviews. Um, I had a column uh, that with, okay, religionandspirituality.com. So it wasn't really movie reviews. It was more like, what what's the heart of this movie? Why should you see this movie? What are you going to get from it? Um, and that was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I just should get back into that again now that I live someplace in a big city where I could actually do movie previews again. <laughs> we moved in the little town and that wasn't possible. Uh, you know, and then the books, I was a teacher for a number of years. I actually have a master's degree in early childhood. So, you know, children and books, it was a natural metamorphosis, a next step yeah. to be publishing these kids' books. Oh, I love that. I love that. So actually, would you talk a little about Bianca's book? That is so cute. That is so, <laughs> such an early age. And it blossomed with you. So please. It's the brave, frail, and delicate princess is her thing that, that everybody just thinks she's helpless. She was born and then her mother died when she was born and she was born very sickly. And the father has never recovered from that. So he won't, she's basically in a tower. She can't leave the castle. He won't let her interact with anybody. And that has stayed the same. Um, and a dragon comes. And because the, the knights and everybody have not handled it, she realizes she's the princess. She's going to have to go do this. And she does not feel frail or delicate. She fights in the castle with fake monsters and pulls swords off the you know knights in the castle. So she does not believe any of this about herself. But she has to prove it. And she has never had a chance to prove it, to even leave the castle and, you know, I don't want to get into too much of the plot, but it's, you know, to go get this dragon, which is who we have on the cover, our little dragon there. Um, the second book of this is actually coming out in February. I 
wasn't necessarily Ooh. planning a sequel, but sometimes that just happens. Yes, that's <laughs> the story so is just there. Yeah. Um, and, and what people like, they tell you which ones they like. And so you say, hey, more of that. Um, in the original book, she um, kills the dragon because he says she's fat. Now that's very 1976 <laughs> sort of humor and logic. It is not like that at all anymore. <laughs> I think in college I took a science fiction writing class and I even did a whole science fiction version of this same kind of story. So it's been, as you say, it's been growing with me. It's been evolving and changing. And is it a short story? Is it a, you know, they don't picture books like that that are fairy tale and big, beautiful illustrations, which is what I wanted to do. That's not what is published right now. That's just not the trend. So you're not going to get anybody to do that for you. Um, that was sort of the first step in what else it could be instead of that. <laughs> but you've mentioned something that I think is really important is that you, no matter when you start a story, you might need to come back to it and you might need to rewrite it or you might yeah. need to take a different approach with a different character or you might realize that what you thought might have worked when you first went around, you might say, I like a lot of this, but I need to make some other changes. And to be open to those changes, to basically allow the the power of the draft really yes. is how I affectionately call it is the power <laughs> of the draft it's actually your friend yep. and and it's allow it allows you to just let your ideas flow so would you talk a little bit more about like how that process might work for you where you're yeah. taking that idea from the beginning of something that you might not even have more than just an idea and a blank cursor or a blank sheet of paper yep. and kind of talk a little bit through that process Sure. And, you know, I think it's a little maybe different for me with the skills that I have than for other people, because you will always hear people say, don't edit as you go, just write. That does not work for me. I actually have, I don't want to call that my, this is my day job, but my side job, um, I edit and proofread for other people. This is a skill set I have. Um, so that is one of my favorite parts of the process. Is the, revising, is the revising and the editing because you're taking this kind of ball of clay that you've sort of put together and you're making it so much better and you're finding out more about the character. Ooh, did I talk about what things smell like? You know, all of that comes into play. So for me, things evolve as they go. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll do the origin story. So we've got Why Kimba Saved the World, which was oh. the first one I published. So you've got our little spaceship here because that's who she's saving us the world from. Cats are aliens and they want to invade. So you've got Kimba's this little house cat who's finding out about all this and how does she feel? And, you know, will she protect her family? I, one of my taglines is, would your cat save you? you know? <laughs> and this is for the Cat in the Mirror series, yeah. Yes, this is the Cats in the Mirror series. There's five of them now. And it started out as a little short story about, because this, our real cat Kimba, she really is our cat. Um, we found them in a box when they were two days old. They still had their little cords attached Aww. and were barely alive um, and hand raised them. So they're very weird. Hand raised <laughs> cats don't know how to cat. They really, no one's trained them. You know, they haven't learned how to cat. So <laughs> they're very weird. So we started, well, she's just an alien. You know, this is why she's so weird. She's just here witnessing us and observing us and reporting back. Um, and that started to evolve and it got bigger and bigger. And I wanted it to be for really early readers. And I, some SCBWI conference, I got a critique on it. And she said, I think you've got, this is bigger. Because at that age, it has to be very sort of, you know, the Dick and Jane kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Very simple mm -hmm. story. Right. I think you could take this bigger. 
And so I worked on that. And then one day I just sat down and said, all right, what are all the things that could happen? What are all the things within this, this character's life and around them that could happen? And I just started making notes. I didn't judge them. I didn't you know, say, oh, no, that's stupid. I just wrote, 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 wrote. And well, we have all these other cats. At the time, I think we had six cats. Um, <clears throat> as I say, we found them in a box. They weren't intentional. <laughs> we didn't say, oh, we need some more cats. And one of our cats, when we moved to Houston, had gotten lost. He'd run off one of the first days, which Aww. they sometimes do. But he came back. <laughs> we found him. So we had all these cats. What about what are all the adventures that these cats could have? And by the time I was done, I didn't know what the stories were going to be, but I had Vacation Hero. So Hero got her own book, Little Tuxie Like Yours, mm -hmm. who is Kimba's litter mate. And then we have two that are my daughter's cats. Oops. So Ooh, we have gorgeous. Miss Petty Cat's Revenge, because she doesn't like the little kittens. And Slinky steps out, so it's her going to college with my daughter, which she did. <laughs> I didn't know what they were going to be about, necessarily. But those titles were there that they each would get their own book. And, you know, this is how it was going to progress, how the stories were going to grow. And then, of course, you have to have a Christmas book. You know, if you're going to have a series, you need a Christmas book. So we have Kimba's Christmas and her adventures there. And the cat who had run away and come back is like a wise uncle within the series because he's the alien spy that sort of teaches them what they need. You know, you work them all these cats into this story and it's completely ridiculous and people seem to really enjoy it. And I love writing them. <laughs> but you know what you've just also alluded to is that you had so you might have even just had the title that came out or a couple mm -hmm. of characters that you knew felt right to be a part of it in some way they may not necessarily you might not know exactly how they're going to show up but you kind of basically you just allowed the creativity and let yep. it kind of see well what might happen here or where this is going and allow the writing to take you someplace versus necessarily boxing it in and saying it has to right. do this i mean i get the i i how do you feel about outlining and plotting versus writing with the flow <laughs> I sometimes outline halfway through. Uh -huh. um, I always in the editing go back and do uh, like Vacation Hero takes place exactly within a week. We are on vacation and she gets to have her little vacation up on the mothership and stuff. So it's it's very, you know, linked in this time frame. So mm -hmm. I will often be started on it. I don't do a full outline before I write. Um, I don't either. So that's just okay. doesn't, it doesn't work for me. It's very limiting. But, you know, I think so I, when I came up with all those titles, when I sat down and did that big brainstorming and I had Miss Fatty Cat's Revenge because, oh boy, Miss Samantha hated them. She, her name is not really Miss Fatty Cat, but in my book, she is. And I didn't know what it was going to be about. And I couldn't have known what it was going to be about because we hadn't gotten there yet in our lives. So if you are from Arkansas at all, you know <laughs> what the background is on this photo. It's a very Im important landscape in Arkansas. Well, I didn't know anything about this when I came up with those titles. It could not have been an outline I could have put together. And it's, they go to a place as Turpentine Creek Wildlife Refuge, which is someplace I started volunteering in 2014. Again, I couldn't have known any of that. None of that was part of my life at that point in time. So if I tried to force that book too early, none of those things would have worked out or been there or you know, made any sense. And I, even the last one, Slinky steps out. I knew she would go to college with my daughter. That's just where the world, you know, that was coming in the world for their lives. 
but I couldn't know where she was going to go to school or how all those things would have been. You have to let it, and you definitely have to let it simmer. Mm -hmm. You know, the people that put out a book every three months, I think that can't possibly be the best book you could have done. And maybe that's okay with you that you just want that product out. But when I come back to something after I, I heard someone say, literally put it in the freezer if you have to, you know, (laughs) let it chill, let it rest. Um, Now for me, that usually happens when it's off with beta readers. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'll get it to a point where I'm super happy and like we're ready, and then I'll send it out to people to read. Yep. And that for me is also that chill space. Mm-hmm. So when I come back to it in a month, two months with their thoughts and comments, then I, you know, it tends to grow and branch out and become a bigger thing yep. than what I started with. Because they always have fabulous ideas. Oh, I wish, you know, this had happened, or I wish that had happened, or there's not enough, you know, I know they're going to be okay. So you need somebody in peril in this scene because I know the main characters are going to be okay. No one's going to die. You know, <laughs> they're kids books. <laughs> no, but that's a really great point. And like you with editing, I'm a developmental editor. So I'm mm-hmm. reading from that standpoint of, you know, looking what's happening, where are the holes or what do we need to do? But I encourage my, my writers to take that break. Let me do my thing. You do yours. And you trust that when you come back through, you're going to gaps will start to close because right. you're getting additional insights and your writing has improved. Your, your ability to tell this story has grown just because you have kept going and you, you've either had conversations or you've kept going, but then you came back through and you could see things. So that space, that space in between, I think that that's so important. I mean, even if you're writing a blog, write your blog, walk away, come back to it. (laughs) I mean, really. That'll help you catch the typos too. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and reading it out loud, I also think helps, especially with dialogue, because you're reading it, you're listening to different pieces and you'll catch the typos, but you'll also realize, Hey, wait a minute. Should that be a contraction or not type of thing? So yeah, I, I love how you just described all of that. So, so much and that all the kitties got represented in the books that is so cool I have one who I think she's starting to bang on the door outside because I shut her out but we have a newer one that showed up in our yard one day when we lived in Eureka Springs we thought she was a bobcat she's a a brown spotted tabby and she does not have her own book yet and she magic words periodically yet yet she periodically (laughs) lets me know um, that (laughs) she is not represented when she's in on these conversations (laughs) she'll come walk across the screen I, my kitties will do that too. I'm surprised my my girl Mishu isn't like zoom bombing us right now because yes. <laughs> she does that all the time. Mishu, that- you're welcome to zoom bomb us. I will not mind at all. <laughs> <laughs> but you talked about something too that I think is really powerful, and that's leveraging the power of a, a, the beta readers or the group. You know, yes. the the feedback, the critiquing, or that kind of piece. Would you talk a little bit more about how you identified the right people for your betas? I was very fortunate. Um, there's a long story to it, so I will do the <laughs> cut to the chase. Um, first of all, go to all the writers' conferences you can. Everything local that you know is a price you can afford, go. You will learn something. You will meet somebody. And one of those that I went to when we first moved to Arkansas, um, a lot of the writing I did when we lived in Houston, but the actual publication was all done when we lived in Arkansas. So that was sort of my writing outward community. Those were the people. And I found a publisher, a small indie publisher, and started talking to them about an adult novel that I actually had written once we'd moved. And this relationship with them developed. 
and I became an editor for them. And, you know, <laughs> that was part of it was helping them edit because they found out I had that skill, but also they ran a critique group. So I was invited to come and visit that critique group. And it's all people who are very serious about their writing. And um, none of them over the years, I don't think anybody has been a children's writer, but it's not about that necessarily. Right. Um, and, you know, things I presented are adult things as well, but they understand it's for kids. And a lot of times they'll say, well, I don't know if this is just a, you know, adult kid thing <laughs> when they don't like something. Like, I'm not going to spend a page describing the scene. You don't do that in kids books. Exactly. You exactly. give it some what does it look like what does it smell like and you get out of there <laughs> yep yep but that I, you know to find that group of people you don't always have to agree with them there's people I know don't agree with my criticism of their stuff and my critiquing and I don't agree necessarily with things they'll tell me but within that there's always some gems even if it's just a word change choice um, there's always things that they are in my head when I write you know, think, oh, nope, Nancy's going to call me on repeating that word three times on that page. You know, there's, they all have their things that they, you know, really pick at and they become part of that voice in your head as you, not as you write, but as you edit, as you revise. Mm -hmm. um, is this going to make sense? You know, someone's going to call you on it if it doesn't make sense. It also forces you to, to have pages ready. <laughs> um, you know, there's an accountability there to having a group of people, to having beta readers. Um, I have one little girl who's a big fan of Bianca and her mom is a writer friend of mine. So she's going to beta read this new one cool. that, you know, it's not coming out to February, but the reality is, and maybe people don't understand this, even if they're listening to you, you have that book ready four or five months before that release. You mm -hmm. have your cover pretty well done. You have already had people read it. So I'm already at that getting ready to send it out to beta readers, even though February is our release time. But that's where we are. Yeah. And if I say to her mom, OK, I'm going to have it to you before school starts. so You have time to read it before school starts. I've got to do that. now. <laughs> you know, sure. I've, I, yeah, I have set that timeline for myself when my group meets on Monday night. I know I need to have five pages clean, ready reasonably pretty doesn't mean that you know, they'll definitely change after that but I need to have them ready um, and you can't get lazy about that and a lot of people come that without pages sometimes I mean no one would yell at me if I showed up without pages but for me if I'm gonna say you know this is what I do I'm a full-time writer you got to have those pages you got to be ready I love how you're the, the fact that you're saying like helping to frame what that draft might look like for getting it to your beta that is it the one that you actually go to publication with i mean it, i it, it's it's not no um, it's, it's the one it's but it's one that you feel really good about sharing yes. i kind of, I, I liken the first draft as something that a lot of times it's you figuring out how that's going to move and you really don't need the first round the, even the first few rounds are really between you and the piece of paper you and the story coming together and then you start to bring in different types of feedback, different types of help to, to bring this, this story, this book to life in a greater way. And yes. that to me is, I think the beauty of a book too, is that yes, the writer has created it. They, they authored, they had the idea, they've got, they put the words down, they brought the story to life, but it still wasn't done in a vacuum. They still had support from others to truly bring this particular story book to life. 
Yeah. I remember early days, um, I was publishing a lot of articles with the same magazine and working with the same editor who I actually continued to work with. She's freelance now and I, I had her edit one of my books when it came time. And she had made some change in something we were doing. And I was like, oh, I mean, I think that's what people realize. Even a magazine, nothing goes to print exactly the way you submit it. There's always going to be little tweaks and changes. I said, oh, you know, maybe when I'm ready to win a Pulitzer Prize, I won't need an editor. She said, oh, no, you'll <laughs> thank your editor. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you had an editor in that thing that, that won you that thing. So <laughs> that, that, imp that going back and forth is always hugely important. Absolutely. Yes. So I would love for us to switch gears a little bit because okay. you are a multi-genre author. And so it's not just children's books or young readers. We're talking about you've written not just the in the magazines and such, but you have a book that's sci-fi that is out, The Tigran Chronicles. Would you yes. please talk about that? Because again, <laughs> hello, Kat. I mean, we're here. So <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we'll give it two seconds, and I don't have a hardcover of this one, so I'm going to have to pull her off the shelf. When I talked about the book that I was talking about with the local publisher, oh, that yeah. is an adult title. So this was the first one, and it's at the corner of Magnetic and Maine, and it's a paranormal women's fiction, and I had no intention of writing it. <laughs> we had gone to a little diner in our town, and I posted about this cute little diner, and everything's got Coca-Cola on it, and isn't it adorable? And then I added to the tweet, I said, oh, it's at the corner of Magnetic and Maine. And a writer friend said, ooh, that's a great book title. I went, oh man, it is, that's a great book title. And so I had sat right then in that moment, and I do whole workshops about this, in that moment where that little ting was there, <laughs> I wrote a whole scene. So who's your main character gonna be? Who would be in the Steiner? She's a ghost. This, uh, this town of Eureka Springs is, very their whole thing is paranormal stuff and ghosts and things and this book evolved I had no intention of writing an adult book and I kind of thought it was YA and it you know evolved so I had already sort of broken that I'm only going to write children's books when Tiger and Chronicles came out and it was the same thing I went to a writing workshop I had no intention. I was just supporting the local author that was doing this writing workshop. I wasn't looking for any new ideas. And it was a historical fiction kind of writing, which I also don't write. And she had us think of a scene in a very important place that we in our lives had been to. Something, you know, where we had been there, it was personal to us. And as a teenager, I went to um, Amsterdam. I visited Anne Frank's house. Oh, wow. I stood in her bedroom and I was about the same age at oh. the time, you know, as she had been. So it was very impactful to me. Yeah. And then we were supposed to do all these things, you know, with this idea. And so I ended up with this other character who would end up in that same situation that would have to hide for no other reason than that someone hated them. Not mm. they hadn't done anything wrong. And tigers are a big <laughs> affinity of mine. I actually spend time with them. I volunteer at a, at a rescue place in, near my town. So awesome. I thought, what if, you know, it was this sort of tiger person who had to hide? And that is the opening of the book. And I wrote it right there in that workshop. And again, no idea that that was going to happen, where it was going to go. So this is the newest one. This is the Tiger and Chronicles. That's gorgeous uh, cover. It's such a gorgeous. It's, I have, it's and pay beautiful. your cover designers. Always pay your cover designers. Don't do it yourself. 
<laughs> that will be my other thing. All of these are designed by someone else. Uh, Bianca's cover is a, between my daughter and the cover designer. They work together on it. Oh, she's that's amazing. She's an artist, yes. But this one, I knew what I wanted it to look like. She helped me to make it beautiful. And it ended up being this almost 100,000 word book. Wow. Which was not on the agenda, was not part <laughs> of the plan. Um, it has sequel halfway done. It has little short stories because at the end, you sort of have three years and then a little conclusion. Well, there's a lot of things in there that I'm doing little short stories on that are just sort nice. of alluded to that I can maybe do as freebies or whatever, you know. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love, but I love how you took, let an idea just kind of come to you and then stayed open to what might happen. And, uh, and then you really ended up writing something you were passionate about. That Absolutely. You, and I, th I think that's, that's something I think is really important is when you were really excited about you, what you've written, whatever it is, because when you're excited about it, it it's a, then you want to talk about it. You want to share it with others. It's not, it doesn't feel like you're selling or you're promoting. It sounds, it feels like I'm excited about something that I've created and I can't wait to share it with you because it just was so much fun and yes. your joy and your enthusiasm comes through. And that was, it's also a big piece of what becomes attractive about that book when you hear an author talk about it, because they were so excited and it's like, yes. yeah, I want to read that too. Cause that sounds so cool. And you know, the reality is, and again, people don't always get this. It's at least a year of your life that yeah. you're committing to this, whatever it is you're writing. My husband always wants me to write romance stuff because it sells, you know, so his, he's the business side of things. Well, if we write that, I said, but I don't read romance. That's just not in general. You know, I love Outlander and things like that. If it has more to it, but just romance books, it's not my thing. Why in the world would I want to spend a year of my life, you know, and then promoting it and then trying to sell it to people? You have to go with what sparks that for you. What makes you say, oh, I want to know more about that. I want to write about that. I want to tell other people about that. Uh, you know, in the Tiger and Chronicles, it's really dealing with, would we be nicer if these creatures were half human? Um, there's something going on right now. It's the, the Big big Cat Public Safety Act, and it's trying to get before the Senate right now. And all it really is saying is, hands off the baby tigers. You know, you can be grandfathered in to have it in your yard and, and be safe, which is still terrifying that your neighbors can have tigers in their yards, which they can um, in most states. But to remove the things where it's harmful, where we're pulling cubs away from their mothers two days after they're born, if not sooner, so people can pet them and we can make money. And, you know, there's a whole dark side of what happens to them afterward because it only lasts for a few weeks that they can be in that situation. Um, so, you know, if this creature was... I tell you, she ends up hiding like Anne Frank. So I think that gives you a little bit of contact. No, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we aren't nicer to them. We aren't better to them. Um, There's still commodities. And, you know, can we do better as human beings <laughs> with, the, with the creatures of the earth, you know? So what kind of research did you feel like you needed to do to amplify the story? Or was it something that you just stayed in the realm of fiction and let like create because it's sci-fi so that lends itself right. to have you know you have to have world building you have to create the space of what you want that to be which doesn't necessarily mean you have to research it means that you have to create structure and, and systems and and such but you 
did you research pieces to help create that or did you I rely on imagination only (laughs) a little bit but I did you know there's things I already knew because I volunteer at this refuge and I worked as a docent so there's things that I learned within that that were already knowledge to me you know the rescues that they had done and what the situations they had rescued these and it's more than just tigers they have lions and cougars and bears and but that have been rescued from really horrible situations some of them it's you know the stories are just horrific sometimes of what yeah uh, they were not, you know, they were able to be saved, but not everyone was. So that was already part of my knowledge um, yeah. going into it. But I did, it's it's set in 2172, because yes, as you talk about world building, I have these creatures being part of the human experience for a long time before they turn on them. So you have to have generations, you have to have time. But I did look up, um, you know, I spent actually a lot of time on climate change. Okay. Because if you're going to set it in 2172 on Earth, this isn't, it's not sci-fi other planet. This is all that's happening. It's happening on Earth. So what, what kind of things are going to be different in 200 years? You know, okay, how yeah. are things going to have changed? And I have some magical solutions coming in. You know, somebody creates some lovely carbon thing <laughs> that helps the worst of it be bad. But at yeah. one point, I drop things subtly, some of it. Um, I refer to Sacramento as a coastal city. Now, people in California are going, wait, no, well, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm seeing <laughs> waters coming in and things changing over hundreds of years. But this is also world building. It, yes. That is exactly, but this is designing it the way you want it to feel in this book. So, right. so be it, really. Right. That, you know, it's not catastrophe and everything's on fire, but... <laughs> Uh, the second book actually is a lot of it is set in Australia because I have quite a fascination with Australian animals and zoos and the things that they're doing there. Um, so I thought, oh, well, you know, what kind of creatures, half human, half kangaroo? I mean, what can you come up with over there? You know, but you do have to still deal with if you're going to set it on Earth, you have to answer those questions for your readers. Very okay, true. you know. I, when I was writing a lot of this, it was when, when Australia was basically on fire, <laughs> you know, everything was burning, millions of animals were dying. So in 200 years, what's that going to look like? Is it going to have gotten better? Is it going to have gotten worse? Are things extinct? I have several animals extinct in the wild that people might not like the sound of, but this is the realities <laughs> where we may be headed. So, you know, you have to address that in your world building. If I think that's why sometimes people do just do another planet because then they can do whatever they want to. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Yeah. yeah, you can then, you can just say, this is my world, <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> so I've got one more question for you before we yes. wrap up, which is, you know, when you're writing, when you're choosing a, a topic, when you're writing, you know, whether it's short stories or a sequel or another part of a series altogether, is there something that when you when you feel it, even when you're writing something might be sad or challenging, is there something that comes out that you feel joy from that you can say, this just feels, this still makes me really happy to have created this, even if it came from a place that was maybe more challenging or a, a, even dark in some ways? Yeah, Tiger Chronicles has some very, it's PG-13. It is, I had a parent very excited when she's like, come out, I'm like, no, 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 not a cat book. <laughs> this is not part of that series. This is maybe for teenagers, but it, it deals with some very uh, serious issues. And there was not always pleasant 
to write them. And I knew I had, if I was going to have bad guys, they had to be bad. Um, they couldn't just be, you know, er, they had to be <laughs> bad. You had to hate them. <laughs> but I, what you think in the end is, is this going to evoke something in the reader? Is this going to make them feel what I'm feeling right now? Is this going to make them think? Is it going to give them that experience that you want them to feel in that moment, how you want them to feel for that main character, how you want them to feel about that villain? Um, and you watch the beta readers come back. Um, I have one gal who loves that kind of book. So she read it for me, I think, a few times. And at one point she said, oh, yay, yay, we got him out. You know, <laughs> if you're getting that feedback from them, you know you've given them that experience, that moment, that woohoo of, you know, escape or conquering or whatever. And then, you know, you've, that's, that's happy. <laughs> that's good. That's the point of reading. If it was just all vanilla, nobody would care. You Good know, point. you have to, yeah, you have to have some peril. You have to, what's the joke, you know, put them up the tree and throw rocks at them. You know, <laughs> you've got to have your character experience things. And if they're all good, it's maybe a, a picture book. <laughs> you know, Fair it's enough. Not, it's yeah. not a novel. It's, that's got to have crisis. It's got to have intrigue. It's got to have bad guys and good guys and things that happen, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. Meg, this has been so cool and so much fun. I am so glad you've been on the show. Would you please you. let listeners know where they can connect with you and where they can get your books? Sure. And you know, I'm everywhere. You can <laughs> certainly go to megdendler.com and it's D-E-N-D-L-E-R. Um, I sell books through that. I have a square, you know, what you use at everybody's store now that you go to. So you're not giving me your credit card. Don't worry. If you want signed copies, um, I am what's called wide. So my books are in all the different stores. Everybody has Amazon. I'm working on some links in the back that some sites don't like. So we're tidying up that that ebook thing. Um, we didn't talk about, so I'll give them 10 seconds. I do have dog books. They go with the cat books. Our dog, Max's Wild Night and Dottie's Daring Day. This is our daughter's dog. <laughs> so they're based on the real ones. So if you don't like cats, I don't know why they'd be watching your podcast if they don't like it. <laughs> That's why I wrote them because I had people say, don't you have dog books? I like dogs. So we do. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and the links are all right at my website. I'm pretty much everywhere. I haven't tackled TikTok yet. I guess that's the next new one <laughs> that we're supposed to use. I don't know. <laughs> Meg, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad you were here and know there were some valuable nuggets shared to keep going, keep writing, and keep sharing your work. I'm a big believer that if you have a book that's in your heart to write, then there's someone else out there who needs to read it. Your story needs to be shared, so you have to write it and get it out into the world. Until next time, keep swimming upstream while going with the flow and get your book into the world. To learn more about Tough Fish and jump into the pond, visit jennifermilius.com forward slash tough fish.